Amen. A lot of truth in that. Amen. We are the church. You know, it's awesome to sit here and sing great songs like we sang today. And there's one song that just uh, I, I just can't seem to get over that I love where it's talking about reckless love. And it's talking about the love of God that would literally be willing to knock down any wall, be willing to go through whatever it takes to get to us. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. I don't know if you realize it, but that is the gospel. God has done whatever it takes to, to reach us, to connect with us. And as that video points out there, we're the, we're the church. We're the church that has the message of the gospel. And today we, we started a new series called Unashamed. If you've got your outlines, you can take it out and kind of follow along. And, and so when we hear that word, sometimes we think, well, that's a, that's a churchy sounding word, gospel. You know, we, uh, we go, that's a, that's a churchy sounding, that's an old fashioned type statement. And, and we're going to look at what the gospel means today. And so here, Paul is writing to the church in Rome. And let's, let's read along and see what he says in Romans, Romans chapter 1. It says, This letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle and sent out to preach his good news. God promised this good news long ago through the prophets and the Holy Scriptures. And the good news is about his son. In his earthly life, he was born into King David's family line. And he was shown to be a, uh, shown to be the son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through Christ, God has given us the privilege and authority as apostles to tell Gentiles everywhere what God has done for them so that they will believe and obey Him, bringing glory to His name. And you are in, included among those Gentiles who have been called to belong to Jesus Christ. I'm writing to all of you in Rome who are loved by God and are called to be His own holy people. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. And so what? Paul is talking about here's this good news. And so when we talk about the gospel, that's, that's part of, that's what it means, good news. Gospel means good news. And so whenever they talk about, you know, gospel music, that means good news music, right? And if it's southern gospel, it means it's, it's good news music with a southern drawl, I guess. I don't know. But the thing is, it's good news. And what Paul is saying to the church, hey guys, there's good news. God loved you. God has been pursuing you. God has provided a way to have a right relationship with Him. God has provided a way to pay for your sins. God has provided a way to make you right with Him. And that you might have eternal life. And that you don't have to endure what is bad news. And so let's look at bad news. You're not ready for the Bible's good news until you understand the Bible's bad news. And the Bible tells us that all are sinners and, and it tells us that the wages of sin is death. And so the bad news of the Scriptures is this, is that we have all blown it. We have all messed up. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. We've missed it by a mile. Now, some of us might be thinking of some people that we think, well, he's a pretty good guy, and it doesn't matter how good he might be or how, how, how much he does for other people, if he has sinned once, he has missed it by a mile. And so for every one of us in this room, the bad news is we've all blown it. There's no one righteous, no, not one, is what the Bible says. So we've all messed up. We have all blown it. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. So every one of us needs a Savior. We need someone who can pay the price for our sins because we can't seem to uh, bring up enough or work up enough to even qualify to cover it. And so the bad news is, is that everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. That's bad news. And it's important for us to understand, like when we're talking with a child, you know, and they're wanting, hey, I want to be baptized. Hey, baptism is a step, but it's not the first step. And so one of the first things we have to understand is, hey, why do I need to be saved? For someone to say, man, I just want to, I want to be baptized or I want to be a part of the church. All right, well, let me, let me tell you why. What's the why behind that? 
And it's important for us to understand that the reason that we want to be saved is because we were lost in our transgressions. We were lost in our sin. And so the bad news is that we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all blown it. And then look at what it says in the next one. The Bible tells us that outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bad news is that people who die in their sins go to a terrible place called hell. That may not be a popular teaching in this day and this age, but it's the truth of God's Word. And so God would tell us, He would say, hey, listen, I don't want anybody to have to go there. And so God goes out of His way to present a way and and provide a way that we would be able to be in right standing with Him and that we would be able to avoid this place called hell. Now the thing is, is we will all die a death one day. I don't know if you guys know the stats, but one out of one people will die. Do you all know that? Makes me feel like a mathematician when I can throw that out there. But anyway, so here's the thing is, what we do is we, uh, we, we realize, you know what? We're all going to breathe our last at some point. And maybe we'll be 50, maybe we'll be 75, maybe we'll be 85, 90, whatever. So whatever, however long God has given you in life, the question is, is what will you do with what He's given you? What kind of difference will you make? You know, I, I look back and, and even over the last, you know, couple of weeks, I've met some people who were older in life. They were in their 90s and, and uh, have lived long lives and, man, great lives. And so I'm thinking, man, what a great long life as far as time. But the question is, it's not how long you live, it's how well you live, right? How, how big of a difference do you make? There are some people who will live long lives that really won't make a difference in the lives of the people around them. So what kind of difference will you make? If we really believe the gospel to be true, that when we say that, you know what, the bad news is, is that we have all messed up, we have all blown it, we are all sinners, and because of that sin, it leads to death. And that death is not just a physical death where we will breathe our last at some point, but it's also a spiritual death that we will be separated from God for eternity. And not in a place called heaven where we all want to be, but in a place where hell is at, where we wouldn't want our worst enemy to have to go. Now, I know we use that term a lot of times, you know, you can go to whatever, but that's what, that's, you know, that's what, not what anybody who understands what hell is about would ever wish upon anybody. And so the thing is, is the bad news is, is that we are sinners and that we're in need of a Savior. You know, the bad news is, that you, you know, if you die without Christ, you go to a place called hell. And Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. But, here's the thing, Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven because he didn't want anybody to have to endure that. He loved us too much. But here's the other thing. The overwhelming message of the Bible, and even in the New Testament, is a message of hope. A message of hope, and that, you know what, it's good news. It's the gospel. And so, when we, when we read in the New Testament, it's just this message of the gospel changing lives. Seeing people saved. Seeing people changed and transformed. Seeing people that were once against Christ are now, man, they're willing to die for Him. Paul is, he, he is an example of that. Paul was persecuting the church. Paul was persecuting this teaching called the gospel, called the way. And so he was doing everything he could to stop it because he knew that it was going to affect how he was living. But once he had an encounter with Christ, it changed him from the inside out. And man, from that point forward, he was, he was a proponent of it. He was telling everybody, listen, this gospel will change you. This good news will change you. This good news will set you free. This good news will put you in right standing with God. This good news brings peace. It brings love. It brings joy. It brings all these things into your life that we've been searching for and we've been trying to find. And so Paul is an example of it. And so he's writing to the church there in Rome. And he said, hey guys, this is good news. So we have to understand the, the bad news of the Bible before we can really grab the good news. 
And so the word gospel means good news. It's plain and simple. Look what it says here. It says good news. The God of creation clothed himself with flesh. Came into the world born of a virgin. Lived a sinless life. Went to the cross dying a substitutionary death on behalf of sinners in order to receive the judgment we deserve, we deserved and to offer to sinners forgiveness and his righteousness. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news is that God loved us so much that he was willing to send his only son, Jesus, to the cross to die for your sins and for my sins. For the lie that you would tell. For the stealing that you would do. For the cheating that you would do. For the lusting that you would do. So whatever sin you have committed, Jesus went to the cross for those sins. He didn't commit any. And so the good news is is he was willing to go for you and for me. And so for every one of us in this room, we've all sinned, right? And what we do is we want to we want to qualify certain sins. We want to quantify them and, and say, well, that's a that's not a real big sin. That's just a little white lie. You know, and a murder, that's a big sin. Murder's a big one. That's kind of up there. But God says sin is sin in his eyes. And so whenever we tell that little white lie or we cheat on that test or we do anything that goes against God's word and his teaching, we have committed what we call sin. And, and so that sin is what separates us from God. And here's the thing. Everybody has fallen short. Everybody has sinned. No matter how you grew up, no matter what you were taught, you have sinned at some point. If you've ever been jealous, you've, 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 been, you've been sinful. If you've ever lied, if you've ever lusted, if you've ever, uh, you know, was wanting something, coveting that someone, something that someone else had, you've sinned. And so the great thing is, is that God provides a way of salvation through that. And so look at what it says here in 1 Peter 3.18. It says, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. But He died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death, but He was raised to life in the Spirit. Now here's what I love. We sang a song talking about the, the reckless love of God. Willing to do whatever it takes to get to me. And I don't know about you, but when I sing that song, that, I, I feel like that song is for me. That God is just, He's telling me, Mike, I, I'll do anything to get to you. I'll do anything I'll, I'll beat down any door. I'll, I'll go through whatever. I'll fight off any shadow. I'll do whatever it takes to get to you. And that's exactly what God did. Whenever we look at what Jesus did on the cross, He went through, He did whatever it took to get to us, to reach us. And then whenever, the last song they were talking about, sons and daughters of God, that when we put our faith in Christ, and we, when we choose to accept Christ, we become part of His family. And He literally, he, he brings us in like His children. And He's saying, you're, you're part of my family. He adopts us in and chooses us as His own. How awesome is that? That He would do whatever it took to get to us. And then He brings us in as part of His family. We're part of His family. We're co-heirs with Christ. I mean, that's crazy. But God loves us that much. But Jesus would go to the cross and He would die one time. One time for our sins. He would die once and for all. For all time. And so there's times that we, we think, well, you know, I've, I've committed another sin. I've messed up. I've blown it. Jesus died for not only the sins that I committed in the past. When I think back to whenever I was younger, Jesus died for the sins I committed. He died for the sins I've committed today and the sins that I'll commit tomorrow. You know, I mean, how in the world does that work? He's God. I'm not. But here's the thing. He covers us with the precious blood of Christ. Most powerful thing out there. And literally washes our sin away. And so Jesus died once and for all for past, present, and future sins. All of them. He, he covered it all. But here's the thing you've got to believe. So look at what it says here. It says, now let me remind you. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. 
I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried, He was raised from the dead, and on the third day, just, just as the Scripture said. And so here's the thing. You've got to believe in something. You know, you've got to believe, right? And so if you're going to believe in something, you know, you've got to be willing to say, you know what, man, I, I buy in. It's by faith we do that. And so we believe in something. You know, you've got to believe in something if you're going to live for it. And you've got to believe in something if you're going to die for it. And, and so I, I think back to years ago, there was a, a young man in Tenement Square, and it was, a, it was a, a scene that was kind of posted all over the world. It was a young man standing in front of a tank, and he kept standing a tank down. He would get in front of it. But he believed in what he believed to the point that he was willing to die for it. He believed what he believed, and he was willing to die for it. And so here's the question. Do we believe in the gospel? Or do we believe in the gospel? You might say, well, Mike, I'm a Christian. I'm sitting here in church. But do you believe to the point that you would be willing to be, you know, willing to go and talk to people about their, their relationship with God? Do you believe in the gospel to the point that you're willing to put your life on the line to be able to share it? See, there are, there are Christians today across this world that are literally putting their life on the line to be able to share the gospel with someone. I can remember when I was a kid at, at a little church. And uh, we had a missionary come in on a Wednesday night to, to speak to the RAs and GAs, church where I was at. And I can remember this story. This guy was telling us they were, they were doing this, uh, they had this underground church in China where they would meet. And he said that there was, a, there was a group of people that, you know, had made up, devised this plan. And the way that they would let everybody know where they were meeting is someone would wear a certain type of ring. So they would have a certain ring on and it would be in the marketplace and those people who were believers knew, you know, who had the ring on. And so I can remember as kids, us kids asking, well, was, weren't they afraid to wear the ring? And the, and the missionary said, no, they were not afraid. That was the greatest honor, to wear the ring. Because if, they, if someone found out who they were, they could be arrested, they could be put to death. And so, but, but here's the thing. It was, it was the greatest badge of honor in that church to be able to wear that ring, to be able to go out and tell other people, hey, where the church was gathering, so that the gospel could be, could be presented. So let me ask you again. Do you believe in the gospel to the point that you'd be willing to put your life on the line? Do you, do you believe in the gospel to the point of where if you had friends and family around you that did not know Christ, you'd be willing to share the good news with them? Because if Paul's going to call it good news, and we're going to say it's the good news, then here's the thing, is if it's good news, it needs to be what? It needs to be shared, right? So let me ask you again, do you believe in the gospel? Then you might say, well, Mike, I believe because I've been saved. Right, but do you want to just hoard that for yourself? Or do you believe it's good news that all men need to hear, that all people need to hear? And that you're willing to do whatever it takes to share this good news with someone who has never heard Jesus Christ. Are you ashamed of the gospel? See, we live in a culture right now where Christianity is under attack on a regular basis, but that's not anything new. And I think sometimes we think because the news shows so much of it, it's worse now than it's ever been. I don't know if it really is. There's been points throughout Scripture where, you know, Christianity was under such attack, meant that people were impaled on sticks and burned as torches at parties. We're not at that point. And, And so here's the thing is, Christianity has been under attack from the very beginning. Paul was attacking the Christians. Paul was after them. He was literally doing everything he could to stop the teaching of the gospel. So it's not like it's new that we're under persecution. That's just part of the job. That's just part of, par for the course, if you will. 
But what I'm asking you as an individual, ask yourself this. Am I ashamed to share the gospel? And most of you would say, no, no, I'm not ashamed to share it. I just don't know how to share it. That's what we hear most of the time. I don't know how to share the gospel. I don't know how to tell someone how to be saved. And I will just tell you this. If you know enough of, of the gospel to be saved, you know enough to share the good news. And so what we're going to do over the next few weeks is we're going to try to prepare our people, prepare the church, so that we, number one, are equipped to share the gospel. And then I want to give us an opportunity to go out and literally hold us accountable to go out and share the good news with someone. Now, some of you guys are going, I'm not coming for any more for two or three weeks. I can just tell you that. So hopefully you're not ashamed of the gospel. And, and so here's the thing. Like I said, the gospel is good news. Who doesn't need to hear good news in this day and age, right? I mean, the, the news, they make their money by broadcasting bad news. You know, and, and we get worried, you know, and we get upset over what's happening in the news. But that is their job is to kind of get you listening. But what the world really needs is good news. But you've got to believe. And so what, this is what Paul says again. He says, let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you. And so here's, here's what I would say. There are times in our life where, you know, and I don't believe you lose your salvation. I mean, I, I, I believe that the Bible tells us clearly that whom God holds in His hand, no one can snatch away. Now, I know there's other denominations out there that teach different. They believe that you can lose your salvation pretty easy. You know, I had a good friend of mine, still one of my best friends, growing up, you know, I would, I would ask him, and I wasn't a believer when I was going to, school, uh, going to church with him, and I would say, hey, listen, I hadn't seen such and such at church in a while. Where are they at? And he goes, oh, man, they're going to hell. And I was like, what do you mean they're going to hell? He said, they had not been to church in like two weeks. And I'm like, dang, man, I mean, so you lose your salvation that easy. But that was his mentality. And so I don't believe that you lose your salvation. I believe that whom God has in his hand, no one can snatch away. Even Satan can't snatch you away. But I do believe that there are times that we have not really given our life to, to Christ. I believe there are times that we maybe got religious. I think there are times that we just want to change but we haven't surrendered everything. And I think there are times that we write our name on a card, but it was not really written in the Lamb's book of life. And so what I'm saying is I think there are times that people make decisions, but it's not putting their belief and their faith in who Christ is and what Christ has done. Maybe for them, it's, hey, it's like a New Year's resolution, like, you know what, I'm fixing to start being a better person. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to join the church. I'm going to put my name on a card. And all of a sudden, that becomes, hey, that's the decision I made, not that I gave my life to Christ. It's just, hey, I'm going to improve me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it makes it about what we do rather than what God has done. And so here, here's what I want, to, I want you to hear me today. If you have ever truly been saved and you fully believe the gospel, I don't believe you walk away from it. I don't, I don't see how you could. And so here when Paul is saying, he goes, if you truly believe and believe to the point that it changes who you are and you believe to the point that people don't see the same person. I've been blessed over the last few weeks to have just different conversations with people that I know that I know their testimony. And there's one who was, you know, I know his testimony and I heard him talking a couple of weeks ago and he was talking about something that God was doing in his life. And And I just looked at him and I heard him make a statement. And for me... It was like, you know what? He is a new creation. He's, he's not the same guy that he was back whenever that testimony was given. He's new. He's, he's changed. This past week, I had a conversation with a lady who was telling me about how she was and how she lived up until a certain point. And then she gave her life to Christ a couple of years ago. And she was talking about the difference in her, her life and how she sees things. And I was like, man, that is, that is a new life. 
The Bible says God gives you a, a new name. He gives you a new heart. You're not the same. There's no way that you can be the same. And so if you say, well, man, I'm the same way I was before I gave my life to Christ, then maybe you've never been saved. But I'm just telling you, when Christ comes in, there is a change that takes place. And it's a continual change, being changed and transformed into the image of Christ. Until the day we die. Paul, who would write most of the New Testament, says, man, I have not yet attained perfection, but I press on towards that for which Christ has called me heavenward. And so what we've got to understand is there's always change taking place. We're being changed and transformed. You don't get to a point and just stall out. You continue to grow in your faith, dying to self, crucifying the flesh, and saying, God, I want to be more and more like Christ. If there's never been any real change in your life, then you have to question, has there ever really been any Christ in your life? I remember when I got saved, I remember someone telling someone about me to say, hey, man, Mazingo's gotten religious. And I remember taking that as an insult, thinking, man, I'm not religious. I have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's not about religion. Religion is man attempting to get to God. Jesus Christ was God's attempt to get to man. And, and so for me, it was me receiving Christ that changed my life. And I hope and I pray that people who knew me back then could look at my life and say, man, Mike is not the same guy he used to be. Thank God he's different. He's been changed. He's been transformed. And so that should be our desire. If we really believe the Scriptures, if we really believe the Gospel, we receive that Gospel. Here's the thing. It should bring about life change in us. And so this is accomplished from start to finish by faith in what God has done. Not in what I do. Not in what I bring to the table. Hey, I'll go to church more. I'll read my Bible more. It's not what I do. It's what God has done. And so look at what Paul says here in Romans Romans 1, 16 through 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of this good news. I'm not ashamed of the gospel about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the Scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And so you've got to get your mind around that. It's not anything that you do. It's not any, you know, task that you take on. It's not a responsibility that you accept. It is literally by faith. It's, in, it's putting your faith, your hope, your trust in what God has already done. It's putting your faith, your hope, your trust in what Christ did on the cross. It's putting your faith, your hope, your, your belief, if you will, into what Jesus did through the tomb. And then the power of the resurrection. So it's going, you know what, I believe to the point that it begins to affect you. It begins to change you. It begins to drive you. And it's not just something, a decision I checked off on a box. But man, it's the driving force in your life. And you can't get enough of it. You know, like, like I said, we, when I sing a song or I, I hear a song, oftentimes, you know, I'll, I'll listen to the lyrics and what the lyrics are saying. And there's some, some songs that just grab me by the heart and they say, Mike, that is your song. Mike, that is you right there. And so when I, and I hear that one where, where God is literally pursuing me, chasing after me. Doing whatever it takes to get to me. I think not only about me, but I think about those around me. And you think about who, who's around you that right now they're lonely. Who around you is lonely? Who around you is hurting? Who around you is, is struggling? Who around you is searching? Who around you is lost? Who around you needs help? Who around you needs good news? And so God has put you in their life for a reason because He wants you to be, to be willing to go after them. To, for you to be willing to share with them the hope of the world. The good news that God loves them. I had a conversation with a lady who was here. She was in a first service. She said, she, you know, she said, I've heard great things about Journey Church. I wanted to come and see. 
And I thought, how awesome is that? And she, was, she said, you know, God gives me opportunities to go places and just to love on people and to share His love. And you know what we do when we share the gospel? We share His love. We're telling someone, let me tell you how much God loves you. Let me tell you how much God cares about you. Let me tell you how much God wants to be in a relationship with you. You're sharing the very love of God. It says here, the, the evidence of our faith is our obedience and our actions. And so the evidence of our faith, our faith in Christ, is that we, you know what, we are moved towards action. It's the obedience to His teaching. It's the obedience to God's Word. And so the evidence of your salvation is not the warm, fuzzy feeling that you get, but it is literally the, the obedience to His Word. It is the action that you take, the steps that you take, the fact that you want to find someone to share this good news with. I think it's I think it's critical that we understand that man, Jesus makes it clear not everybody who calls on my name, you know, will be saved. Look at what it says in Matthew seven, twenty one through twenty three. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. And so, what Jesus is saying, hey, listen, there's going to be some of you that will say, man, I'm a Christian, but man, you live like hell all through the week. You, no one can tell you apart from anybody else, even though you claim to be a Christian. Man, I'm a Christian. You know, and, and so here's the thing is, we often go through life saying, hey, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but yet there's no evidence. There's no evidence in our life whatsoever. And so the world looks at us and goes, they're no different than I am. The biggest excuse we often hear when we talk about reaching out to people and inviting them to church is they always say it's just full of hypocrites. And they're right. They're right. There are a lot of hypocrites in the church. But the thing is, is, is what Christ has done that sets us apart and saves us. And so we're all broken people. We're all broken uh, people that have found the life-changing message of the gospel. That's what we are. So here's, here's what I would ask you again. How many people do you know around you? that need to hear the life-changing message of the gospel, that need to hear the good news, that they can be saved, that they can be in a right relationship with God. How many people around you know that? And so Jesus makes it clear, not everyone who calls on my name, but those who do the will of the Father. Those who there's been life change there. There's a card that we put in your, your seat. If you guys will take that out. It just says we want to hear from you. And, and on the back of that, it's talking about that we're going to do, uh, we're trying to figure out the best time to offer another service for Easter. Now, why would we do that? Because we want to reach people with the gospel. And here's the thing. Easter Sunday is a Sunday, or Easter weekend, I should say, is a weekend that many people will choose to go to church for the one time that they will go this year. Would you all agree with that? Some of them will go for that one time. Some of it's because, hey, Mama wants me to go to church. Some of them will go because a friend invites them. And some of them will go because they're searching, and they know that's kind of the popular time to go. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to make room for our guests that will show up on Easter weekend. And so we want to hear from you. If you don't mind, let us know. Here's what I'm saying is what service will you attend, but also which one will you bring somebody to? And, and, and so let me just say this. You know, we have two services right now, 9 and 1045. All right, we know those will most likely be pretty full. But we've got to add either one or two services before or after or even the night before because we want to reach as many as possible. So it may mean that we have to ask you guys to consider sacrificing and say, hey, listen, I won't be at the 9 o'clock or the 1045, but I'll go to the early one or the late one so that there will be more room for people that have never heard the gospel to come and hear the gospel. So it's about sacrifice. So there's times we have to be willing to sacrifice for what's best for others. And so, so that's just a question we're asking you guys. We want you to think about that, pray about that. 
But here's what I would say. You know, sometimes whenever we, we ask you guys, hey, would you be willing to share your faith? It may take sacrifice. It may take you giving up some of your time. It may take you being in an uncomfortable situation. We had a, a, a family that went to our church and uh, they've moved away now, but there was a lady who was working with a young girl, and the young lady asked her, you know, that she had invited the girl to church, and they had been here at church, and, and anyway, the young girl said, you know, I feel like I may be lost. And her friend said, well, why do you think that? She goes, I, I just, I don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so the, the lady just kind of changed the subject because she felt uncomfortable because I didn't feel equipped to, to do that, so... Then for a week, she's going, man, I blew it. I had a friend who was asking, you know, about salvation and, you know, and I just blew it. And so she ends up going, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe we'll talk again. So a week later, they're sitting at PF Chang's and the conversation comes up again. And the young girl goes, you know, I really feel like I need to get my life right with Christ. And, uh, and so they begin this conversation. They drive home from PF Chang's in Birmingham all the way back home, pull up in the driveway. They're sitting there and she looks over at the young girl and she says, do you want to give your life to Christ? She goes like, yes. Yes, I do. And she goes, well, let's go inside. So they go in and they look through the Bible. They can't find the sinner's prayer because it's not in the Bible. The plan of salvation is in there, but the, the prayer that you pray is pretty much the prayer of your heart. So they get on the laptop and they Google sinner's prayer. And the girl gets down on her knees and they lead her to Christ there on, beside the uh, coffee table. And the young girl gave her life to Christ. And so what I'm telling you, there are people around you that are going, man, I want to give my life to Christ. I don't know how. And some of you guys are going, I want to get, lead people to Christ. I don't know how. Well, we want to do, that's our job as church, to help you guys get there where you can share your faith. But here's my question. Will you? Will you share your faith? Are you unashamed of the gospel? Do you believe it really is good news? Do you believe that it can really change someone's destiny? So where they're going to spend the rest of their life for an eternity? I mean, do you, do you believe that there's a hell? Because Jesus sure did. Do you believe that there's a heaven? Jesus sure did. And so for us to say that we're followers of Christ, then we've got to line up with what He teaches. And so if we really believe that, it ought to move us to want to say something. I want to do a, a quick survey. And uh, I'm going to get Billy. Billy, if you don't mind, help me out here. And so, uh, here, I'll let you turn that on. And so, Billy, if you don't mind, I want you to go out. And I want, I want to just, who's good at math? Anybody good at math in here? Just adding and subtraction, not algebra. I see y'all pointing some fingers back there. If you're good at math, don't y'all just kind of add these numbers up, if you will. So, Billy, just pick somebody out. I want to ask somebody a question real quick. All right, I want to ask you a quick question. So, how many people do you know? Now you wish you hadn't sat on the end, right? But uh, how many people do you know that if you had the courage to share the gospel and uh, and the skills to be able to do that, how many people do you know that you feel like need to hear the gospel that May, may be lost. How many people do you know? I'd probably say dozens. A dozen. Okay. All right, good. That's good. All right, come on. All right, think about what I just asked. Billy's going to ask somebody else right along in here. Pick out somebody else. All right, right there. He just stuck a mic in your face. All right, so how many people do you know, Mike, how many people do you know that need to hear the gospel, that if you were, if you were courageous enough, brave enough, and uh, you had the, the training to do that, that if you could share with them, there's a good chance they may come to know Christ because you don't think they're believers yet. I'd say maybe 20. 20. Okay. All right. Come on over here, Billy. Y'all give Billy a hand for running because Daniel wouldn't run the first ever. All right. So somewhere along through here. All right, Trey, how about you? I, I, I mean, I'd say 50 people. 50 people. Okay. All right. Let's see somebody else over here. Everybody's so praying he doesn't come to you. 
Alright? John, how many people do you, do you know that you come in contact with on a regular basis that you feel like, you know what, you have the opportunity to present the gospel? If you shared it, there's a good chance some of them may be lost and might come to know Christ. How many? Say 30. Alright, so 30. How many is that? Alright, so 112. Alright, so let's, alright, so whoever's good at, uh, multiplying, you could look around this room, count up everybody in here, and then multiply that. Because here's the thing, that's, that's only four people, wasn't it? Was that four? Alright, so that's only four people in here, so that's 112. And so if we were to multiply that, and if we just even double that, we would begin to get on up there. And so, and I would say that most of these guys probably know more than how many they just said. They'll come in contact with a waitress or a waiter. They'll come in contact with people just in everyday life. All of you do. And so what I want you to understand is that's 112 people. That's just four people. And so if we were to even double that, if we were to double that to where there's eight guys that we asked the same question, and maybe they gave kind of the same numbers, you start getting up to a pretty good-sized number. But think about how many people are in the room and just say times 112. Here's what I want you to understand. That's more than we could ever sit in this room. See, the church was not designed for us to try to get everybody in here so we could present the gospel. The church was designed so that we could equip everybody in here so that they could go out and share the gospel. Too often we think it's just the opposite. Hey, let me get them to church. No, it's really let me be the church and go to them. That as we leave here, it wouldn't be just 112 but it would be thousands upon thousands. Just in this one group here, you would be thousands of people hearing the gospel. 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 If we're courageous enough to share the good news. And if we really believe it. If we really believe it, number one, it saves us. If we really believe it with everything that's in us, it changes us. And if we really believe it, then we share it. We share it with anyone. We don't assume that they know Christ. We don't assume because they've always gone to church that they're saved. But we share the good news. That God wants a right relationship with them. And that He has done everything. He has beat down walls to get to them. And He loves them. And He wants to redeem them. Do you believe in the gospel? If you've never put your faith in Christ... Then I would encourage you to do that. If you put your faith in Christ, let me, let me share with you what the fruit of that is. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So here, here's what I want, want you to hear. If you put your faith in Christ, you really believe in the gospel. You really believe in what Jesus did. Here's the thing, it changes you. And it begins to produce a fruit within you. And there's a love in there that can only come from God. Even for your enemies. It's easy to love those that love us. But Jesus said we're to love our enemy. There's a joy that's in there. That only comes from God. Not based on circumstances or how much money you have in your wallet. But joy based on God's promises. There's love, there's joy, there's peace. In a world that is full of chaos. You stand as one who is steady. And one who is faithful. And so you become a witness in a world of chaos of God's truth and His promises. And, and so the more that we look into the Scriptures, the more that we realize, you know what? The fruit of the Spirit of God within me is the evidence that I have believed the Gospel with all the faith that I have. Remember, we said it a while ago. It's, it's from beginning to end. It's all about faith. It's not about me doing more. 
It's about faith in what God has already done. It's about faith in what God has provided. It's about faith in the message of the gospel. Even the simplicity of it. There's some of us, we want it to be more than that. It can't be so simple, Mike. It's simple enough that a child can come to know Christ. Or an old man can come to know Christ. Or or, or a thief hanging on a cross can come to know Christ. It's so simple that, man, it's just a, if someone is dying on their deathbed, they can whisper the words out, or don't even have to say them, but if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are saved on their deathbed. Now, some of you go, man, that's not fair, Mike. No, that is God's love for us. That is His mercy. That is His redemptive nature. And so for us to proclaim the gospel is to declare Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So when we're, we're sharing the gospel, if I'm preaching the gospel, if I'm sharing the good news, it is the death of Christ on the cross for your sins. It is the, it is the death, the burial. He died a real death. He was laid in a tomb. He laid there for three days. And here's the thing, He defeated the grave. He defeated death. He, you know, we don't have to deal with that. We'll breathe our last at one day, but we will live for eternity with Him. And so He was resurrected by the Spirit of God and the power of God. And the resurrection power that Jesus had is available to us to literally empower us to walk through the, the tragedies that we'll face day to day. And the challenges that we'll face. And so when we share the gospel, we proclaim the gospel. It's His death on the cross. It is the power of literally His resurrection and the fact that He died for our sins. So here's, here's some next steps. Next steps for me today. To fully understand God's bad news for those who reject His provision for salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. I think it's important for us to hear and understand that hell is a real place. God made no bones about it. And I know there's other pastors and preachers out there that don't want to offend or whatever. But I don't want to offend either. But the gospel is offensive. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. That's an exclusive and offensive statement to a lot of people. But God said, hey, listen, this is truth. And there's some pastors that would say, I'm not sure that there really is a hell. I don't know how you get that out of reading God's Word. It is very clear. And Jesus did everything He could to keep us from going there. Why would He go to such effort? So for some of us in this room, maybe it's time to believe, you know what? If I die without Christ, I'll bust hell wide open. That's a hard statement, but it may be truth. And so the only way that we can be in right standing with God is through the person of Jesus Christ and, and believing to the point of, you know what, we, we believe in everything that He did. We believe in His teaching. And we believe He can change us. We believe He can save us. It's all based on us putting our faith in Christ. Receiving Jesus. Receiving Him. There's a story of a man who loved art. And him and his son both loved art and his dad was really wealthy. He had a lot of, a lot of art and Anyway, he ended up, uh, his son ended up going into the military. He died in battle, saving some other guys' lives. And, and later in, later on, a couple of months later, a, a young man came to his door, knocked on his door, and he said, hey, listen, I wanted to give you this picture. He said, uh, your son saved my life. And he said, I wanted, I wanted you to have this picture of your son. And so the man took the picture, and he, he was amazed at how the, his friend had captured the personality of his son, and he put it over his mantle. And when people would come in, he would always point to that, that, that picture that this guy had painted of his son. But this guy had Rembrandts and Van Goghs and he had all the, the big stuff. And whenever it came time for the end of his life, he, he literally uh, did an auction. They had an auction together. And so people gathered together and they take the picture of the son they put it up. And they said, all right, we're going to begin the bidding on this picture of his son. And nobody would bid. And so the auctioneer kept going, hey, you know, can I get... $100. Can I get $200? Nobody would bid on it. And somebody in the back yelled and said, Hey, we want to see the masterpieces. We want to see the real stuff. 
And he goes, we begin with this one. And nobody would buy it. Buy it. And finally, a gardener in the back said, I'll bid. And he gave $10. And he goes, going once, going twice, sold. For $10. And so everybody was like, well, bring out the other masterpieces. And he said, he goes, the, he goes I was told that with whoever gets the sun gets it all. How cool is that? Let me tell you what's even cooler. Woo! I love this. I went to, I went to Snoop's just to see that story. And this is why, I don't know who does Snoop's, man, but he must be a believer. But if you read in Snoop's where it looks it up to see if it's a true story, there's a couple of other stories that kind of parallel it, but the guy, whoever put it together, says this, it is a story of whenever we put our faith in Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we get it all. Whoever does Snoop's, maybe he's a believer, man, but how cool is that? So what I'm telling you is this, is that whenever we receive Christ, it changes everything. And so if we believe that to be true, then why would we not want to share that with anybody and everybody that we come in contact with? Those who are lonely, those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are bitter, those who are literally hiding from the world. Why would we not want to share the good news that God loves them and wants a relationship with them? Why would we say that, man, we believe in the gospel but not share it? Why? We ought to be the first to share the hope of the world. If we're believers, if we've been redeemed, if we've been saved, we should be the first to do that. For some of you in this room, maybe today this is your decision. To put my faith in Jesus Christ and what He has done to pay for my salvation. To put your hope in Him. To put your faith in Him. To put your trust in Him. Not in religion. Not in church. Not in anything other than Jesus Christ. And then the last one, to commit to share the good news this good news with everyone that I come in contact with this week. Everybody I come in contact, God, show me how to share the gospel, the good news. And here's the thing is instead of asking everybody to come here, we go out as a church and we share the gospel. And it would be thousands upon thousands who would hear the gospel. And many of those will respond in faith to Christ. How awesome to see the kingdom expanded by a church who is a city on a hill and a church who becomes a light in the darkness. Our community needs a light in the darkness. But not a light that we cover up and hide. But a light that we share every chance we can. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And just, maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Christ. Maybe you've never put all of your faith in who Jesus is and what He's done. Maybe for you it was about joining the church. Maybe for you it was about putting your name on a card. But you realize today it's about accepting Jesus Christ. It's about receiving all that He's done by faith. Maybe you've never put your faith in Christ. Let today be the day of salvation for you. I'm just telling you, it's good news. It's good news. And so if that's you, you might say, Mike, that's what I need to do, but I don't know how. Let me just tell you this. It's as simple as this. Just say, Jesus, I confess to you that I'm a sinner. Confession is agreeing with God. Saying, God, I agree with you. I'm a sinner. I have messed up. I have blown it. And so, God, I'm confessing to you I've sinned. And I have messed up. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you will, you, will you forgive me? And he says in his word that Jesus says he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And so he'll wash away every sin that we've ever committed with his very blood, the precious blood of Christ. And so whenever we put our faith in Christ, and here's the thing, we say, God, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's, that's, that's repentance. That is turning to him. It's turning and going the other way. You've been living a certain way all these years, living in a way that maybe honors the world. Maybe it's more about living for the world. You say, you know what, Jesus, I want to live for you. Jesus, I want to live for you. I want, I want to be your messenger. I want to be your ambassador. Jesus, I want to be your representation. 
And so God says, hey, listen, I'm going to empower you to do great and mighty things. And if that's you, say, man, I want to repent and I want to turn to God. So if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. And if we repent, His, His blood covers us. And so we receive the gift of eternal life by faith. Nothing else. If that's you, if that is your need today, let me encourage you to trust Him. To receive His love by faith. I want to walk you through a simple prayer. Just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the one true King. Jesus, I believe you are the Savior of the world. Jesus, I believe that you can save me. And Jesus, today, with all the faith that I have, I put my faith in you for salvation. And Jesus, I ask you to change me. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And so, Jesus, will you equip me and prepare me to share the good news with those around me? If you just prayed that prayer, nobody else looking around. If you, if you just prayed that prayer for salvation, I want you to raise your hand. You say, Mike, I just raised, I've just prayed that prayer. Anybody? I see your hands right here. Anybody else? I see your hands back here. All right. Anybody else? Raise your hand. Just raise them. Say, I just prayed to ask Christ to come into my life. All right. There's hands, hands all over the place. Man, praise God for the gospel. Everybody else, just keep praying. If you raised your hand, I, w- I just want you to look up here at me. That's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. It'll change you forever if it's real. If it's sincere, if it's over the heart, it'll change you. And here's the thing, it will carry on until the day that Christ calls you home. And so He will change you from the inside out. And God's Word is our guide. And so after the service, if you raise your hand, man, we'd love for you guys to come back here to the VIP room. We want to put a Bible in your hand. And it's a gift to help you grow in your faith, help you grow in that walk. And so there's hands all over the room today that put their faith in Christ. How awesome is that? Now I want to ask the rest of you who, maybe you're believers already. Let me ask you this question. Would you be willing to share your faith? Would you be willing to share the gospel? If God gives you the courage and He gives you the equipping. If you would, I want to ask you if you would to raise your hand. Would you be willing to share your faith, share the gospel, if God gives you the courage and He gives you the equipping? Thank you. See, God will do great things through a church who stands on His Word and proclaims the good news. You're the church. You're the church. Father, I thank You for today. God, I thank You for all these that have raised their hand indicating salvation today. God, give them the courage to take the next step, to walk back here to the VIP room so that a counselor might be able to help them take the next step. So God, I pray for courage for them. I pray for boldness. God, I thank You for more than anything that today... The God that they would know whenever they walk out of here that they are your child. They have been born into your kingdom. They've been adopted into your family. And God, they are, they are co-heirs with Christ. God, I pray that they would know today that they are your child. Father, I pray that you'd bless them on this journey. God, it's just like a child being born. It is a birth, spiritual birth. There's a journey ahead. So God, you help us as a church to walk with them, to equip them, to prepare them, and to teach them how to walk with you. God, help us to make disciples here at Journey Church. God, help us to make disciples that will love you and that will share your love with those around them. God, thank you for what's in store for us as a church. God, thank you for being, a, being able to just, uh, well, Father, just, just be a, a witness for you here in this community. God, use us as a light in this dark place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.